0: This is delightful. I'm back in the studio uh, with my former Coey. Hello, Beth Espy. Hello, Christy D. Uh, it's lovely to have you back and lovely to be in the studio with you. And we've been reminiscing a bit recently, haven't we, about some of the programmes we used to do together.
1: Yeah, we have. So back in the day, it was called Women Today and it was a daily talk show. I can't even remember. Was it two and between two and three, I think?
0: I think it was, yeah, two and three. Yeah.
1: Um, and, do you know, we were just thinking about all those people we spoke to during that time and some of the incredible stories we heard about and we thought we've got them on a podcast why not reshare them so that you can have a listen as well and Yeah, I think that's what we love, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. hearing people's stories, whether that be through maybe an event that they're holding and it raises a certain issue, or the little side shoot that we did was the Conister Rock series, which was a little bit similar to a show that you might hear on another radio station, but we don't talk about that, um, just Manxified slightly, where we invited well-known people from the Isle of Man to come in, choose some music and tell us a little bit more about themselves. I think you should do your Kirsty impression. Oh no, I'm in depression now. Hang on, Kirsty Young. Hello, welcome Maybe. to Conister Rocks. Welcome to Cornister Rocks.
0: See, there you go. That's where it came from. Was essentially um, Beth idolising Kirsty Young, just <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. We thought we'd start though with somebody who was very special. Actually, this was quite the surprise. It was a listener who contacted us and basically told us that she'd had a secret. She had, and she had kept this
1: completely and utterly to herself for decades. And then the secret was broken because of a letter she received. Have a listen to this.
2: Dear Vivian, well, this is a letter I never thought I would have the opportunity to write, but I'm so happy to have the chance to finally put pen to paper and say hello to you. Vivian, I want you to know that I fully understand and appreciate the circumstances that led to me being adopted, and that I have nothing other than admiration and respect for your decision in what must have been very difficult circumstances. You gave me a fantastic start in life, with wonderfully loving, supportive and encouraging parents, who gave me the best gift a child can receive, the confidence that I could be and achieve anything I wanted. I also wanted you to know you gave my mum the opportunity to be what she wanted most, a mother. You may know that she was unable to have children of her own and I was therefore a gift that she never thought she'd receive. She thought of you every year on my birthday and always said a little prayer to thank you for your sacrifice and to wish you only good things.
1: Viv Cornelius, that letter was from your son Mark. I cannot imagine
3: what it must have been like to receive that. It was extremely emotional. I cried buckets for probably two or three days because I never in my wildest dreams thought that was going to happen
1: Take us back Viv to the mid-1960s You
3: were how old? I was 19 19 when you were pregnant Tell us what happened Back then of course it was looked upon as a cardinal sin to have a child out of wedlock My mother made arrangements through the church for me to go across to the UK because the mere word abortion wasn't heard of then. It, you know, you, you just didn't do it. Um, I was put in an unmarried mother's home for a period of time, um, probably about six months in total. Uh, we had to go out to work whilst we were there to, to pay for the accommodation, etc. Then I had Mark. Uh, I looked after him for the first six weeks of his life and then I had to give him away. And that was the last I ever saw of him.
1: So for you, when you you came back home then, obviously you'd been through the pregnancy, you'd
3: had Mark, you'd had to give him away. Did you know anything about the family that he went to? No. No, you were told absolutely nothing. You weren't allowed to meet them. We went to a specific place in Manchester, which I think was the local town hall. I was kept in one room. Somebody came in, took Mark out of my arms and that was it. There was basically, there's your suitcase, you can make your own way home now.
1: How how do you go about keeping something like that to yourself? I mean, presumably the 17th of March every year was, was a very
3: difficult time for you. It was, um, and of course it's St Patrick's Day as well, which highlights the, the date itself. Um, but every year it was a question of, I'd wake up on the 17th of March and I'd wish him happy birthday but that was all I could do because I didn't know where he was I wasn't allowed to contact him and it, it was just the way it was and, and I had to accept it You did
1: meet someone else though and you went on to have another son um, I did Again, that must have been a really confusing time mentally for you It was
3: because it was one of those situations where you fight with yourself do I tell the people that, or do I tell my, my husband that, you know, I've had an illegitimate child? Would it affect the relationship? And then you look at the other side of the coin and you think, well, no. I can't go ahead and, and do that because I've been sworn to secrecy and I've signed paperwork to that effect. Um, and then you think, well, what difference would it make to anybody now? If they did know. And then you think no, no, I'm, you made to feel ashamed of yourself. And that's the way I felt for, for years that I could not speak to anyone about it or about Mark or about those first six weeks when I used to push him round in a pram um around Manchester area, and and he was mine for six weeks.
1: Well, Viv, you lived with this, um, what, for 50
3: years? I did. And then in June this year, you got Mm. a phone call. Well, I got a, a letter to start with. This gentleman by the name of Chris Hull wanted me to phone him on such and such a number. And I said, well, I don't know anybody in Norfolk. I've got no association with Norfolk. But then, of course, typical curiosity got the better of me. And I rang the number. And this gentleman said... Does the year 1966 mean anything to you? And I typical, I said, yes, the year we won the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I'll be a little bit more specific. Does the 17th of March 1966 mean anything to you? And I said, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> did it really not so, go through your head at yes, that point? of course it did. Okay. Of course it did. But the first thoughts that go through your head are, why now? That was my first gut reaction. So the the arrangement was that Mark was going to do a letter to me, which you've clipped a little bit off there. Um, That was then sent to Norfolk Council. They then sent that letter to me because obviously he wasn't allowed to know exactly where I was and vice versa. So I responded to that letter... Um, And I sent it off on the Saturday, never expecting to hear anything back immediately. Uh, I was sitting watching Wimbledon one Wednesday afternoon, about ten past three. The phone rang and it was, hello. And all I got down the phone was this wonderfully rich voice saying, is that Vivian? This is Mark. (laughs) Well, it's a good job I was sitting down because I think I'd have fell down. Well, we didn't come off the phone until nearly six o'clock. And we just talked and talked. And we actually met that following weekend for the first time. I just have to ask
1: you, um, though, Viv, because you had kept this a secret Mm. for such a long time. Mark gets in touch. You have that amazing connection with him. How then do you go about telling the people in your life about him?
3: With a great deal of difficulty, (laughs) the phone call that I made to Norfolk and I'd made the phone call actually from my bedroom instead of in the lounge and my husband, my current husband came in and looked at me and he saw the floods of tears and everything else, you know and it was, what on earth is wrong? And I said, well, there's no easy way of saying it I said, I had an illegitimate son I said, he was now trying to contact me And he just put his arm around my shoulder and he said, oh, what difference do you think that's going to make to me? It is 17 minutes to
1: three. We are joined live in the studio this afternoon by a mother who this year has been reunited with the son she had to give up for adoption back in 1966. We've had a lovely email from Pam, uh, which says, So, so pleased that Viv has at last been reunited with her son. I've shed a tear listening to her truly heartbreaking account. As someone of the same age as Viv, I well remember how things were back then. Girls were either expected to marry the father of her child, if that wasn't possible, for whatever reason. She was expected to give her baby up if she didn't do either of those things and she was fortunate to have parents who stood by her the whole situation was deemed her fault and she'd let them down no nice fella was going to want her in the dreadful parlance of the time she was damaged goods thank heavens things have changed well Viv it was uh, earlier this year in June this year uh, that you got uh, a letter to say your son Mark had been trying to trace you what for around 18 months I believe about 18 months he'd been trying to,
3: to find out where I was
1: Well, to find out what those 18 months were like, I'm delighted to say we now have Mark live on the phone. Um, Mark, you know, we've heard from Viv's point of view um, that initial letter that she got from from the council saying that you were trying to to find her. I'm guessing from your point of view, that time, waiting to see if if she actually would want to to make any contact with you, that must have just been difficult, to say the least.
4: Yeah, yeah, well... um whole process i uh, and I are similar in, in a number of ways <laughs> um, and uh, impatience is, is one of our uh, one of our virtues um, and i i um I honestly thought that um you know it, we we'd got to an impasse it took uh, we had been at it for about a year on and off and we were really getting nowhere um and then um he uh the, the, the social worker sort of got in contact and said gosh we found her um and um he then wrote to her i received this letter but it, that whole process of um him coming back to me and saying we found this to me receiving the letter to then us talking was then incredibly quick <laughs> incredibly quick within
1: And Mark, we heard part of your letter at the start of the show um, that you you sent to Viv and in it um, you talked about your adoptive parents um, and just how grateful they were to Viv for giving them the chance of being parents.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My um, mother had ovarian cancer in her 30s, which would be in the 1950s, I guess. Um, So that... um, meant that she she couldn't have children of her own um and um they i think at, at about for the age of 40 they decided that they wanted to adopt um, and then went through the process but absolutely i mean my mum always always said that she always thought about viv on my birthday she always said a prayer for her on on you know on my birthday um and i think was just you know absolutely um Delighted that they were able to raise a child as a result of somebody else's sacrifice, really.
1: And you always knew um, from from a very early age, so sort of five, six, that that was the case yeah, that you were adopted.
4: Absolutely, yeah. So um, I was told when I was, I think, probably five or six, and then given probably more detail as I as I got that bit older in terms of some of the circumstances. Um, I knew my birth name from that. Um, time from being probably about 11 onwards um, and as Liv has probably already said my parents retained my, my birth name um, so I was, I, was um, I obviously continued to be called Mark
1: well Mark it has just been amazing having you on the phone um, Viv here, here is just <laughs> incredible um, I'm guessing you're going to get quite a birthday present on March the 17th next year Viv yeah
3: <laughs> Whoa. We, we won't go down that road yet
0: <laughs> The incredible story of Viv Cornelius there I mean that felt like a privilege that programme didn't it? It was one of those moments that I
1: think will stay with me for a long long time mm-hmm. because it's the sort of thing you'd almost imagine yourself watching on television but be able to do it on radio was just that personal connection obviously having viv there in the studio but also her son mark on the phone just incredible
0: it really was and that was one of the points really of us resharing and replaying these podcasts and these interviews from women today is that there may be other people out there who have extraordinary stories that they would be happy to share with us so if you are that person or if you know someone who is drop us an email newsroom at manxradio.com we'll get in touch with you and we would love to share your story